Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive, and together faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding, signs, wonders, and miracles will take place at the teaching of your word in Jesus' name. All right, so in our personal leadership class this morning, I want to talk about the wisdom of Joseph in finances. Something you should pay attention to. The wisdom of Joseph in finances, managing the seasons of abundance. Um, I'd like to talk about three stories. I'll start with three stories. Um... The first one was, or rather is, the story I read from a book by Brother Kenneth Hagin, Kenneth E. Hagin, Sr., the father. And um, like we all know, Kenneth Hagin is a man of faith, one of the founding fathers of the Word of Faith movement. But in a particular time in his life, uh, the Lord appeared to him in a vision and told him, that there was going to be an economic crisis. That there was going to be an economic crisis coming on uh, in America, and he should take three actions. First of all, Brother Hagin had just employed some people in the ministry, had just employed some people not quite long in the ministry before he had this vision. And the Lord told him, there's going to come an economic crisis. Three things you will do. Number one, lay off some staff lay off some staff. Number two, um, the Lord told him, cut down on certain areas of the ministry. So showed him certain things to cut down. And number three, the Lord told him to uh, reduce certain outreaches and focus on certain places. And when I read that story in the first place, I was feeling like, you know what? This man is a man of faith. Why couldn't the Lord just say, well, an economic crisis is coming. This is the time to show the world that, you know, I'm going to prosper you. Keep going. The Lord gave him practical things to do how to manage that season of his life. And the reason I said that story is that planning is not lack of faith. Planning is the expression of God's wisdom. Planning is not lack of faith. Uh, The presence of faith or the... The presence of faith does not stop planning. So when you see a man planning, don't think that that person does not have faith. Are you with me? All right. Um, The second story I'm going to tell you is my personal story. And then I'll tell you the third story from the Bible, which we'll read. The early days when we got married, and some of you have read my story a lot, hear it again, it's a good story. We, we didn't have a lot going for us. There was no funding. I went into full-time ministry. There wasn't salary from the church and all of that. And, uh, but of course, I used to preach, go preach, minister, do stuff, and people would bless me with money. And I have a, I have a generous heart. So I'd give, you know, just bless people. Of course, take care of family, but give, just bless people here and there. I was working with a lot of young people there, and I was just blessing people. I wasn't saving as such. I wasn't, I wasn't saving. Let me not say as such. 
one day I had a dream. And um, in that dream, I was on the website of my mentor. In fact, and I downloaded an article on savings. So I was reading the article in the dream. Now, if you've been in this church long enough, you know that dreams are the last ways God speak to me. Usually, I usually would work with the inward witness. So I downloaded the article. So I read it in the dream. When I got up, it was like I read the book in the dream. You know, I just knew I had, a, I had to learn how to save. So I began to learn how to save. And that changed uh, a financial life. Why did I tell you that story? I know you've seen the sticker that said, give us never lack. It's not true. Foolish give us lack. If you keep giving all your funds away, you're going to lack. God in design for you to give everything away. So if you're a foolish giver, you will lack. It's wise givers that do not lack. So if you have that sticker in your house, Correct it. And that changed my life. Started learning how to save. And I believe that that adjustment I made is what God, what brought us to where we are today. We wouldn't be here. Because I'm not sure God would have trusted us with the resources he's trusted us with. The third story I'd like to talk to you about is Genesis 41 verse 17. It's a long story, but I want us to read it. We're talking about the wisdom of Joseph. Genesis 41. Money is a big deal in our world, and we have talked about it. <laughs> Genesis 41. Did you see what I just saw there? All right. <laughs> so Pharaoh spoke to Joseph. says, In my dream, behold, I was standing on the bank of the Nile, and behold, seven cows, fat and sleek, came out of the Nile, and they gazed in the marsh grass. Lo, seven other cows came up after them, poor and very ugly and gaunt, such as I had never seen for ugliness in all the land of Egypt. And the lean cows and ugly cows ate up the first seven fat cows. Pay attention. Very important. This was a dream that changed Pharaoh's life. It should change your life. The ugly cows ate up the sleek cows. Ugly cows ate up the sleek cows. Yet when they had devoured them, it could not be dictated that they have devoured them. Look at that. He said, after they have eaten. <laughs> say you could not find out that they have eaten these fat cows. Okay. For they were just as ugly as before. Then I woke. I also saw in my dream, and behold, seven ears, full and good, came up on a single stalk, and lo, seven ears, with a thin and scorched by the east wind, spread up after them. And the thin ears swallowed the seven good ears. Then I told it to the magicians, but they, no one could explain it to me. Now Joseph said to Pharaoh, Pharaoh's dreams are one and the same. God has told to Pharaoh what he is about to do. Remember our class on dreams and interpretations, Okay. The seven good cows are seven years, and seven good ears are seven years. The dreams are the one and the same. The seven lean and ugly cows that came up after them are seven years, and seven thin ears caused by the east wind will be seven years of famine. It is as I have spoken to Pharaoh. God has shown to Pharaoh what he's about to do. Behold, seven years of great abundance are coming in all the land of Egypt. And after that, seven years of famine will come, and all the abundance will be forgotten in the land of Egypt. And the famine will ravage the land. It says, when the years of famine come, it will swallow up the fat cows, and it will seem as if 
They never ate anything. You know, some of us have been in that position before where you had a job and you were earning so good. And then for, maybe they dropped you for a couple of months and those lean months swallowed up the good years and it looked like you've never worked. If you don't take this dream seriously, this is how many people end up. Their lean years swallow up their fat years and it seems as if they never experienced fat years. And that's the wisdom I want you to take going into the, the, into the next year and for the rest of your life. You must be wary of the fat years and the lean years. And the lean years could mean something. It could mean inflation like we have in our country over 30%. It could mean an economic crisis. It could mean the years you're no longer able to work. It could mean your company retrenching a couple of workers. It could mean a lot of things. But always understand that life will play out with the fat years and the lean years. And your fat years... You ought to spread it across the lineage. And something I tell young ministers all the time, especially ministers of the gospel that I have the opportunity to mentor, is understanding how ministry money comes. Somebody can be moved in your congregation today and give you one million. People are usually not moved like that monthly. That's your fat years. Your lean years might be coming in future where for two months you preach and all you will ever get is you bless me. More grace to your elbow. You know? And you know more grace to your elbow does not buy Gary. That might you understand what I'm saying. So if you are going to live by more grace to your elbow, is it grace now or grease? It's grease, eh? Yeah, but you people call it grace now. Do you call it grease in church? Okay, I'm just saying. Alright, so you understand what I'm saying, right? Just got to watch it. Let's read the story. Now as for uh, verse 31, so the abundance will be unknown in the land because of that subsequent famine for it will be very severe look at this the abundance will be unknown that means you see don't live your life as someone who has never tasted money Hmm? don't live month end like somebody who never end salary 27th you are you can't sleep anymore you got your salary 20th by 27th. It's as if you never end. It's the lean cows that have eaten up your fat years. You know this happened to the prodigal son, right? He held on the money, spent all he had. It's a circle in life. You have to watch it. You know even in our nation it happened, right? You know there was what you call the oil boom. Students of history, right? Hey, Huh? Where we moved from Agri, we moved from cocoa and granite and the, the pyramids in Kano, we moved into the oil boom. Now look at us today. It's as if we have never. The seven lean cows are here. <laughs> okay, let's read. Now, as for the repeating of the dream to Pharaoh twice, and you are hearing it today, the third time, it means that the matter is determined by God and God will quickly bring it. Now, let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and set him over the land. He says, look for a discerning and wise man. Two things that will keep you financially stable is discernment and wisdom. Discern the season that you're in and then wisdom. Do you realize God, um, um, Joseph did not say, let's look for a prayer warrior. Because sometimes all you can show for your life that you are a prayer warrior is a cracked voice. After warfare. 
<laughs> Maybe the devil has held you by the truth. Poverty does not respect your spirituality if you don't have wisdom. It will seem as if you are not serving God. Just look for a desiring and wise man. Look at what the man will do. Let, the, let Pharaoh take action to appoint overseers in the charge of him and let him exact a fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt in seven years of abundance. Then let him gather all the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain for food in the cities under Pharaoh's authority and let them gather. Let the food become as a reserve for the land for seven years of famine which will occur. It says a fifth extract it, pull it up and save it up. This dream as difficult as it was there was a wisdom strategy for it and this is how Egypt do you realize that right I know we say it all the time but do you realize that even the children of God had to go to Egypt for food Jacob scripture say and money failed Jacob had to go Jacob was the one with the covenant but Joseph was the one with the sense I'm a covenant child. I'm a covenant child. You will bow to people who have wisdom. Because covenant is for your redemption. Sense is for your earthly living. You can be a poor prophet who dies in debt. You will go to heaven, but with rags. And they will welcome you because they are not looking at your shirt. You are redeemed. Don't be an example of a redeemed poor person because you lack wisdom. Are you here or you are going home? So, I'm a covenant child is not the key to increase. Are you a wise covenant child? It's got to apply wisdom where your finances are contained. So, very quickly. Do you realize Joseph was 30 years old? Hmm? Verse 46. Now, Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. 30 years. The wisdom Joseph had at 30 could preserve a nation from economic ruin. And at 30, you are still fighting over the fact that your mother did not give you meat after you have worked. If you read the scriptures very well, you realize that God used a lot of young people to cause national reformation. At 30, he was taking charge of a nation. Somebody say, well, I'm not 30. Subtract your years from 30 and know how many years you have left in that 30 space and find out if you can manage a state. A nation. Wisdom. Wisdom. So let me give you 10 things very quickly. Time is gone. Number one. Determine your, your actual financial state. Okay? Now, I, I, I need to finish this because this is important. So if I go past my time, we will do the worship. and However, we will manage the two meetings today. But you need to hear this. Number one. Determine your actual financial state. All right? Determine your actual what? Now look at this. Not your assumed financial state. Not the financial state your family think you are in. Because some of your family think you are richer than you actually are. Not the people calling you Shemo, 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 Big Daddy. No. No, no. That's not your financial state. You can be a poor Big Daddy. Are you hearing what I'm saying? What, so the question is, what is my actual financial state? Not assumed, not perceived, not the one you are believing God for. What, 
where are you financially? Come on, are you, are you paying attention to what? Where am I? Honestly, financially. You have to tell yourself the truth. Your father might think you are very rich and you don't want to disappoint your father. You are a hypocrite. Ah, people are believing in me. Nobody is believing in you. Tell them where you are. I'm the breadwinner of the family. Breadwinner is going hungry. Cry out now. I say we are no longer winning bread. We are losing. <laughs> we are losing bread. Anybody that knows Manchester United coach, you want him. <laughs> okay, seriously now. <laughs> All right? Just tell him we are losing. I hear when I heard losing, it came to my mind again. I need to, I need to submit that man's, that, that man's name to, to a very hot altar now. All right, so, okay. Do you understand what I'm saying? Don't, you see, pretense, financial pretense have cost more people than they ever assume. Tell your wife, things are not the way they used to be. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So that if it is time to buy fake gold, we know that that's the season. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If you pretend about your finances, you will suffer unnecessarily. There's no need pretending you have a job when you don't have. They've cut your pay in the office, admit it. Don't say, my wife will look down on me. She was not looking up to you in the first place. Are you hearing what I'm saying? What is my actual what? Financial state. We had a staff meeting within this week. And one of the questions I asked my uh, uh, staff is, look around the ministry. Where can we cut down expenses? We are not trying to prove to the world that God has blessed us. Other churches can. I don't have that energy. What's our actual financial state? What can we cut? What can we do? Don't we have faith? We have faith. Jesus had a treasurer. Did he not have faith? <laughs> Jesus said, gather the fragments. Did he not have faith? Number two, save up the extra in the years of abundance. They gave you, they gave you a pay rise in the office. Save it up. If you were surviving on what you were earning before, you can still survive on it. Right? Let's say you were earning 50,000. Okay? They now said, now you are earning 55,000. Yeah, thank God. But the truth of the matter is that if they didn't give you that increase, you would have still lived. Am I right? You would have still lived. So, assume they didn't give you. Because what we do in this part of the world is immediately we get a pay increase. We try to show the world that something has happened. You see, this, this desire to show people something, kill it. Either your family and stop all those when people are laughing at me. When God has, leave all those things. The truth of the matter is that nobody is thinking of you. People have problems. It is when you even say that we now remember you are alive. Nobody, nobody is thinking of nobody. People have enough challenges. Scripture says sufficient are the trouble for each day. So you are not living your life to impress anyone. You're not trying to show people you're rich. You're not trying to show people you've made it. There's nothing to show anyone. Okay? Number three, in, increase and prosperity comes by simple one formula, right? Living below your means and having a reserve. That's just it. If you live below your means 
and you have something reserved, that's how increase and prosperity comes. Right? Because, you see, <laughs> let me tell you this now. You see this, right? You see this, right? You can be earning one million if what you are spending is 1.2 million. You'll be broke. So it's not the amount, it's your living. Right? So you must live below your income. You must learn to live below your income. Learn to live below your income. We show people, sometimes we live above our income. Don't live above your income, live below your income. Okay? Number four. Number three, I said increase and prosperity is simply living below your means. Number one, determine your actual financial state. Number two, save up in the years of extra and abundance. Number three, increase and prosperity is simply living below your financial means. Okay? Number four, deal with the mindset of debts. Deal with the mindset of debts. Now, I want to tell you this, right? Make up your mind that you will not be proactive towards loans. Now, let me tell you something. The American society, the developed world, they live a lot on loans, you know, so somebody can just furnish their house on loan and everything. Now, gradually, that's coming to our nation now, right? Loan apps, you know, of course, loan apps, <laughs> whatever comes here, we have a way of adding, you know, you know but now they've, I think they've started regulating them so that they don't embarrass people. So there are loan apps. How many of you have seen uh, loan emails coming to you from your bank? You people don't keep your money in the bank in this church. Raise your hand. Let me see. You've seen a loan email. I didn't say you went to apply. You said that your wife would have said. You saw a loan email coming from your bank. You know? Then you saw some um, banks offering something before your salary comes. You know, extra salary or something. Right? That's temptation. Don't fall for it. If you learn... To live by what you have. What you don't have, you use faith for. Listen to me. Debt is a bad thing. Don't get involved in it. Deal with it. When we were getting married, even with nothing in our house, that was something myself and Pastor Mary said we will never do. We don't buy things on credit. We don't. When we didn't even have, we didn't do that. We didn't consider that. It's not an alternative for us. Pace your life. There's something I always tell myself. There is nothing you want now that if you keep following God, God will not give to you. Let me tell you. Eh? You know, it's looking like the whole world now. There's no more space. Our children will grow up and still own their own houses. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You know, for some of you that have your houses, when your father was, it looked like, ah, to build a house. Hey, hey, now you have your house. See, our great-grandchildren will still grow up. There is no scarcity in this world. So pace your life. Hmm? Eat what you can afford. Wear what you can afford. Dress what you can afford. Your hair, if it's getting too expensive, Cut what you can afford. <laughs> Wig will always be there. Human hair will always be there. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Anything that puts pressure on your life, reduce it. 
If not, you will die before your time. And you will not be raised from the dead. Because when your spirit considers the anxiety it had on this earth, it won't respond to prayers. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you hearing what I'm saying? To make a decision. Number five, ask yourself, who am I actually responsible to financially? Who am I responsible to? Starting with God. Deuteronomy 8.18 I am the Lord thy God that gives you power to get wealth. I'm the Lord your God who gives you power to get wealth. Now let me, let me, let me balance this up. Of course, not the financial coach, but let me balance this up. There are people who are doing business, okay? So, you know, sometimes some people will say there are good loans and there are bad loans, okay? So I'm not going into the technicality of good loans and bad loans. I hope you understand the basic loan I'm talking about. Uh -huh. So if you're doing business, you could take a loan to do your business and whatever. So I'm not doing, I'm not an economics teacher, all right? But I'm just telling you what will help you, okay? So in Deuteronomy 8, 18, he says, I'm the Lord that God that gives you power to get wealth. So your first reason is your tithe, your, your tithe. If, 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 <laughs> if your 90% cannot help you, the extra 10% will do nothing. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You are earning 100,000 and you feel that 10% to God is what will not... No, 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 no. You see, honor God. That's an act of faith. The child of God must live by an act of faith. Right? So you honor God. Give your tithes. Give your tithes. Give your tithes. In faith. Trusting God and your offerings. Then you ask yourself, who am I responsible for? Now, it's important that you understand this, right? Give me Ecclesiastes 5.11, NLT translation. Now, look up. Look up. They'll put it up. We'll read it together. But look up. See, the first thing you start up with, what's my actual financial state? Then the important question you should ask yourself is, who am I actually responsible for? Who, who really am I responsible for? Right? I told you something, and I'll say it here. Uh, it, it, you know, people interpret it differently, but it's the truth. We are very big on honoring your father and your mother. Please pay attention to me and listen with the purity of heart. We're very big on honoring your father and your mother. But we are also not big on the fact that the scripture says a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. We demand I honor when we haven't laid proper foundation. So, your parents didn't send you to school. They didn't give you the necessary tools in life. And here you are. You are being bombarded with, you've got to honor your father. You've got to honor your mother. You've got to honor your father. You've got to honor your mother. And all we try to do is that, you know, it's a key to escape from poverty. It's a, and here we are overstretching ourselves to honor this one and honor this one because we just want to break through and we don't have the stability to break through. The truth of the matter is, there is a place of honoring your father and your mother, but there's also a place of being honest to how far you can do that honor with where you are. So what are you responsible for? Are you responsible for your cousin? We live in a communal society, listen carefully, which is a great thing. Africa is a communal society. But we've, we've, we've advanced in, in some areas, but we haven't advanced in the mindset of community. So African is a communal, communal society, and the communal society makes, it, makes people feel entitled to your wealth. So when you don't release it, they make you feel guilty because then they throw the bloodline. So let me, ask you, let me give you an, a typical example. Um, if somebody becomes a governor of a state, everybody for his village comes up. 
they feel entitled. They feel you are a governor now, so you should help us. So make a road in our village. Do this. His aunties feel they should work. And everything. And we all have that. So you need to just be very honest. Who am I responsible to? You cannot be taking care of your younger brother somewhere when your family is suffering. I don't know where that wisdom came from. Say blood is thicker than water. Then why did you marry this woman if you didn't value her? Why do you get married and still treat your wife like a stranger? And then you die and your family come in like scavengers to take everything that you've worked for because, because they are your real family. You should be single. Some of you don't deserve to have wives. But the covenant of marriage means yourself and your wife are one. Your wife should never go to bed thinking if anything happens to you, she will suffer. She never think that. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If you don't trust your wife, you shouldn't get married. Eh, but she's behaving somehow. Whatever is making her to behave somehow, find a solution to it. The covenant of marriage means you should marry someone you trust. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And if you are not married, these are the conversations you should have. Don't go and be drinking yogurt and say, do you love me? Do you do me? Uh, do you like French kiss or Mozambique kiss? When they will... <laughs> well, let me, come, let me, let me focus. We'll talk about marriage next year. Eh? Because by the time adversity happens, you will forget how to kiss. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Uh-huh. So, if, if you are sex-driven and you just marry a playboy who is everywhere, who is a nice guy doing all these things on social media and just catching crews, when life hits you, you will forget the password to your phone. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So, you ask yourself, who am I responsible for? Some people, you should let them know, Oga, you are not my responsibility. If there is extra, we can be of a blessing to you. We are all children of God. Let's look up to him. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Don't overstretch yourself. You have a future. Because like the prodigal son, let's read the Bible. Ecclesiastes 5.11 The more you have, the more people come to help you spend it. So what good is wealth except perhaps to watch it slip through your fingers? You can't watch your money slip through your fingers because you have helpers around you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's Bible I'm reading, Ecclesiastes 5.11. Good news translation. Do you have good news? The richer you are, the more mouth you have to feed. All you gain is the knowledge that you are rich. Eh? So salary increases, three extra mouths. Some of you will just have one job. You will not go and drag your cousin from the village. Why? You don't have a life. You want to help someone. Are you living now? Uh, I need nanny. Some of you shouldn't have extra children. Yes, I said it. Don't pretend like you didn't, you didn't hear some of you should not have extra children. Go to the hospital. Let them find something to do to you. <laughs> Cut it off, reduce it, slice it. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
Because for every child you bring to this world, they are not another person's responsibility. Your children ought not to be going to school by welfare. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Uh, it is many children that make life. See, you can adopt many. There are many who need help. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I like children around me. Does not train them. If you like children around you, have two you are responsible for. Then in the evening, when you sit down, call um, children from around your compound, play with them, then send them back home. Do you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> You just have to, all you need to do is just buy a packet of sweets and be dancing, be dancing. Children with so if you like to have children around you, as for having children around you, they don't have to come from your womb. Think through this thing. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So you ask yourself, who am I responsible to? I will not leave sending my son to school because I want someone to think I'm a good man. I am responsible to give my son a good education. I'm not responsible for my brother's son. I said it. I am not responsible for my brother's son. My father gave birth to five of us. My father is responsible for us. I am responsible for the family I'm starting. From my reserve, I can help my brother. But my brother's child is not my responsibility. My responsibility primary is that woman called Mary, my wife. And the boy carries that came out of her. And the girl carries that came out of us, Abby. <laughs> Zara. Why am I saying, oh, Zara? <laughs> carries <and> Zara. <laughs> so, in order of priority, is her, my boy, and my girl. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That I'm a member of your church. My responsibility to you. <laughs> you see, uh, sir, I'm your, I'm, your, I'm your member, sir. My responsibility to, to you is to explain my responsibility to you, which I'm explaining to you now. Do you understand? Just as you came here to worship God, I also came here to worship God. The difference is I teach you the book, then I'll go and sit down. Somebody else will come and sing. So we are all worshippers. If it is the pastor title you want, take it. <laughs> call me Brother Maxwell. You can even take the brother, just call me Ma Do you understand that you are in my church? I am not responsible for you. What God sent me to do in your life is to teach you his book. After that, we go home. Out of my Christian godly compassion, I can help you. But getting angry that I did not help you means you are not wise. Sorry, but it's the truth. Are you responsible for your late mother's auntie's children? You are going too far. Who am I responsible for? If your brother is an adult, you are not responsible for your brother. If your brother is above 18, his choices, he should live with them. And we are only two in the family. If I die now, I don't have... Forget it. Forget it. You are not two in the family. Have money, you realize that you are not two. Your brothers will emerge. 
Are you hearing what I'm saying? You see, the, the earlier we all stop this entitlement mentality, the better for every one of us. I'm going to teach above my time, then we'll, we'll stop up. Right? Are you following this? Are you following what I'm saying? It looks tough. Some of you might feel bad. But there's nothing you can do against the truth, but for the truth. Who, who am I responsible for? We used to make this mistake even as a church. People just cried for help. Ah, we would help them. Ah, we were foolish. We don't do it again. You know what we ask ourselves right now? Who are we responsible for? I would not leave my committed keyboardist who's been serving this church for 10 years and not asking anything to help someone who just walks in here and feels like the weight of the shoulder, the weight of the world is on their shoulder. I'm not responsible for that. Even in our welfare as a church, we're asking ourselves, come on, who are we what? Responsible for. Because if every member was like you, would we have a church? So our welfare policy has changed. If we don't see your commitment, we're not going to help you. Because I'm not going to be giving envelopes every Sunday just to make me look like a good pastor. Paul said that a widow who is younger should not be helped by the church. We're following Paul. We're following Paul clearly. He said because if you help them, they will become busy bodies. He says don't help a widow who didn't take care of her house. If she didn't show responsibility, she's not entitled to church welfare. Because sometimes welfare can lead to learned helplessness. Where people just move from church to church and they'll put a guilt on you and say, but you are a pastor. And I'll say, take the title. Come on, are you, are you following what I'm saying? So you ask yourself, stop letting adult members of your family guilt trip you when they are not living right. So, hey, brother, you need help? Okay, what can you do? Empower people. Go and learn a trade. I'll pay for the trade. I'll just ask you something simple. All the people you've been helping without teaching them responsibility, have you finished helping them? It never stops. It never stops. Because life was not designed to work that way. Are we, are we together? All right. Okay. Number six. Okay, I think I've even gotten into number six. Right? Who am I really capable? What am I, sorry, what am I really capable of doing for others? What am I really capable of doing for others? Is my English correct? <laughs> okay, yeah, it's correct. <laughs> what am I really capable of doing for others? <laughs> so, please, look at this. What I want to do what I should do and what I can do. Three things. Write it this way. What I want, sorry, what I want to do, what I should do, and what I can do. Okay? So, ask yourself what I want to do. Right? What I want to do. Hmm? So, for instance, I really want to help my brother's child. Right? Are you following me? Okay, I really want to help widows. Fantastic. So the first question, what's the first question we're asking ourselves? What, what's the first thing we're telling ourselves? Everybody, let's do it loud and clear. What, what's the first thing we're telling ourselves? Hey, come on. To be sincere, do you really want to help your brother's child? Yes. It's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Do you want to help all the old women in the world? 
Yes. Do you want to help all the hungry children in the world? Yes, that's what I want to do. Number two, what should you ask yourself? What should I really do? What are you doing? You are narrowing your one to to real responsibility. Because I realize this, right? You can take care of others and not take care of your own. So some of you, you can buy phone for people in your office, buy phone for, you know, you just got this person smiling at you. They can smile all day. Welcome, Sahu. Welcome, Sahu. Ah, your phone is not good. Samsung. And meanwhile, your wife is at home. She has tied her phone with rubber band. She can't see your name. I mean, it saves you as dear, but you appear as, as dog because the screen is broken. The word is that. And then they press, press, press. They, why you know they pick for? Why you know they pick for one? She has been picking it. The thing is not picking. And let me tell you this. Because a woman is patient doesn't mean you should take her for granted. And we do that a lot. We sometimes take Christian good women for granted because they won't complain. Some of you, if you married some of those lionesses, <laughs> yeah, you come to the house, where did they enter? <laughs> As you carry you to the, to the place where they are selling for, you say, this is the one I want. You see, you don't know what God has done for you if your wife does not know the brand of phone in the market. My brother, when we are doing gratitude, dance. <laughs> eh? Where your wife will just say, anyone is good. You see, when you marry all those women, you are prospered though. Oh, you are prospered. The one that will tell you, which one? Is this Galaxy XL Cove? This thing? They say, no, the Android is, that they are doing Android 11. My brother, you have also entered. It's good to have good things, but what I should do? Then this is the most important one you should answer. What I can do. So I've got what I want to do. I've got what I should do. But the truth of the matter is my want to and should to is <laughs> subjected to can do. I want my child to go to a very good school. I should take care of my child. But this is the school my child can attend. If you answer this question, it will set you financially free. Alright? Set you financially free. Then number seven, use your faith as you give. Trust God for abundance and increase. Use your faith. And as you give, trust God for abundance and increase. Okay? So you learn to give. You learn to give. Number eight... Seek proper financial knowledge. Seek proper financial knowledge. So for instance, as, as a matter of personal principle, every December, I read financial books, I enroll for one or two financial courses, okay? Yeah, just seek financial knowledge. Your finances will grow in line with your knowledge. Read good financial books, not just how to be a millionaire. Eh? Read financial books. You know, I mean, in church here, we're not going to be teaching you finances study you know i wrote for a course that'll take about one month in january just a bit of understanding how the stock market works and all of that just just have some knowledge around that don't just throw your money away you know by investments right you give someone to invest for you you don't have an idea you just open a shop somewhere huh? some of you just start business no idea of how a business runs no idea of how business profits should be calculated nothing no financial idea it doesn't work that way 
So seek financial knowledge. If you need to enroll for courses, if you need to ask for help, you know where finances are concerned. Okay? This, okay, well, I started reading last week. I think in the last two weeks, I've read maybe four or five books on finances already. You know, I bought like, and I have like two more I need to read. Just to help me, because being a pastor doesn't necessarily mean I know how finances work. So you've got to invest in that. Then number nine, frugality is not stinginess, right? Or due to lack. So being frugal is not that you're stingy or you're, you're in lack. Jesus said, John 6, 12, gather the fragments. You're right? Frugality is the habit of stewardship and wealthy people. Learn to be frugal. Learn to be what? Are you here? Learn to be what? Frugal. Dave Ramsey said, because something is on sale does not mean you should buy it. Eh? It's on sale. It's on sale. Do you need it? Some of you, Black Friday just takes your money like that. Anything you just see, ah, they have removed 10%. You don't know that marketers have sense. They will increase the money and say 10% off. As you just see 10% off, brain off. <laughs> buy. Say buy six. <laughs> All right, so... Frugality is not stinginess. Be frugal, okay? Number 10, develop the habit of a budget. Write down. A budget tells your money where to go. Don't let your money tell you you where it wants to go. A budget to tell your money where it wants to go, all right? I like this quote by Ruyat Kipling. He says, all the money in the world is no use to a man or his country if he spends it as fast as he makes it. All he has left is his bills and the reputation of being a fool. I'll say it again. All the money in the world is no use to a man or his country if he spends it as fast as he makes it. All he has left is his bills and the reputation of being a fool. Have you been blessed? Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.